Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to interview our attorney at our Hawaii office to discuss two individuals who were fired because of their beliefs. You're not going to want to miss this. Uh, But before we do that, I first want to bring on uh, the attorney out of our Ohio office to talk about some very important cases that he's dealing with, as well as addressing a very controversial pro-abortion baby-killing initiative proposition that's on the ballot there in Ohio and will be decided in a very short term, in a very very near term, uh, by the in an upcoming election uh, this November. So uh, this is very, very important. Uh, Welcome to the show, Uh, Todd. uh, We really appreciate having you on the show, and uh, you're uh, we're so so delighted to have you on our team. Tell me, Todd, just right off the bat, if you could, uh, how long have you been practicing law? Thanks, Brad. It's great, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm in my twelfth year um, practicing law. I went to the Ohio State University, the Ohio State University. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, gotcha, gotcha, and. and uh, what uh, what kind of work have you done? What what's your area of legal expertise? Our attorneys have different areas of, of specialty when they come on board. Uh, what what's yours? I think it's very unique. Sure. Yeah. So I've worked in small general litigation practices, general practices, um, for most of the the first half of my career. Then when I started my firm um, last year, I went into intellectual property. So so I enjoy helping out when there's issues with you know, fact check sensors and things like that. Um, so I love intellectual property and I love religious liberty. Yeah, you, you've been a big help, I know, recently uh, on that issue of fact check and uh, basically issues of uh, potential libel, slander, and uh, with regards to, um, you know, messaging and, and conservatives or Christians with messaging. And I really appreciate uh, what you've been able to do to assist us and assist others on on these kinds of issues. It's, it's very, very helpful. Um, you, you seem to have a special interest in technology and intellectual property law. Why? So actually, my undergraduate degree was uh, computer science. I thought I was going to be going to software engineering. Um, but mm-hmm. as I was working a summer job, I felt the push to go to law school. And I guess 12 years later, I, now I see <laughs> why God put that uh, into place so many years ago. I'm just going to ask you right off the, the you know the cuff here. Uh, what do you think of this AI thing? Um, is it something we should be afraid about, concerned or concerned over? What what are your thoughts? I personally don't think so. I think it's just like anything. If you look at like Westlaw, um, back in the day before I started practicing, it was like line item, and then it became you know like a Google search, and people worried about that replacing lawyers. I don't think at this stage we have anything to really worry about. Um, and it can do great things. Like, for example, I, I have trouble with eye contact, <laughs> like when I'm talking on Zoom, and there is AI that will keep my eyes on the camera. <laughs> really? So there are things that can help us. <laughs> wow. Interesting. It actually helps to keep your eyes on the camera. <laughs> wow. Okay. So 
it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. It could be used for good and evil. And uh, my, my big concern is that there's going to be some picture of, of me on screen somewhere, and it's going to have me saying things that I never said, that it will look just like me actually, you know, saying things that uh, I never, you know, never came out of my mouth. So that's sort of my kind of concern. We're going to see uh, individuals maybe right before Election Day, suddenly we'll see Donald Trump saying, you know, uh, you know, communism's great and I want to surrender to China. You know, he never actually said that, but AI is making this this illusion, you know, this representation. It looks like it's him. It looks like he's saying it, but he's really not. Uh, and then changing uh, election outcomes on the last minute with these kinds of fake uh, productions of people saying things they really didn't say. That's my personal fear. We'll see where it goes. There's a lot of other things I've heard of too, but uh, there's a lot of tremendous benefit from agricultural industry to you know production, distribution, and you know, even law. So we'll uh, we'll see how that pans out. Now you're. I'm um, oh, you, sorry. No, go ahead. As I say, I think the fear you have, I think it's founded in those terms because they're already doing that, but they're already figuring out ways to catch when that's happening, when something's been edited. Um, like the AI not only can replace your voice, but they can go back to the original video and say, hey, this is what the original video says. So, so like you say, it can be used for good, it can be used for evil. So, yeah, I remember back when George W. Bush was running for president, it was getting close to Election Day. And suddenly this, this letter came out from nowhere and, and it had his signature on it and it was saying this, this outrageous stuff that was, you know, if it was true, it would have totally killed, you know, George W. Bush's ability to be uh, elected president. And they did an analysis of the key type used on the typewriter and turns out that that key type didn't exist when, on the, when the letter was allegedly uh, written, you know, typed and signed, and they realized then it was a forgery. But uh, but for that, it could have impacted the the entire outcome of the election, and uh, there would have been someone else in the White House. So uh, I'm hoping that they will keep up with this, and the, the forces of evil will not prevail uh, when it comes to those kinds of issues. Now, I understand you just filed a recent religious liberty lawsuit involving a vaccine uh, religious accommodation case uh, there in the Southern District of Ohio. What What happened? Yeah, so just a couple of weeks we filed here in federal court. Um, we have a client who works in the medical industry, but he's not himself like a medical worker. He works in security. And so he worked at this big uh, giant healthcare corporation in security. And his, um, his employers were telling him things like you can lead from afar, you can delegate. This is pre-pandemic. And then once the pandemic hit, they were 100% remote. Um, and then when they wanted people to start coming back into the office, they, they instituted the vaccine mandate. Well, he told them, of course, this violates my, my Christian beliefs. Um, it's two main things, you know, the abortifacient, uh, use of, of aborted fetuses in development and research, and also that, you know, his body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and said, I can't take this. They said, oh, okay, um, well, I guess you're fired if you don't want to take the vaccine. And, and so here we are, a couple of years later, um, finally able to file the lawsuit. Now, specifically, he even quoted scripture, right? Yes, he did. He, he listed several verses in his, uh, in his actual accommodation request and also had a letter from his pastor. 
with other scripture. Wow. And we in the complaint cited some scripture too. So. Yeah, even a letter from his pastor. And that's not required to have a letter from your clergy, but it, it helps. And so it's, it was indisputable uh, as far as his, his objection uh, to it on, on religious beliefs. Uh, he had some other religious beliefs in addition to quoting Psalm 139 uh, about the, you know, the objection to abortion and using a vaccine that uh, was developed uh, indirectly from you know, the, uh, the original abortion uh, that happened uh, uh, a good long while ago. But he had some other religious beliefs as well, didn't he? Yeah, he talked about how his body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, referencing 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. And so that was another thing that he had put in, I believe both the letter and his request for accommodation had listed that as well. Now, I know there's you know, a lot of Christians who went in and took the vax, you know, and that's, that's their decision to do that. Uh, but uh, a lot of other Christians prayed about it, you know, and, and after they, you know, sought the Lord on it, they had a different conclusion than, than other believers, you know, and they felt convicted. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm supposed to take this. And at the time, you know, you remember this, Todd, at the time, there, there wasn't any scientific information out there to justify it. It was just a lot of believers out there who in the past had no problem to take in vaccines. But for some reason, uh, a lot of Christians just felt convicted, don't take this vax. And of course, now we see the unfortunate results of the vax in many, many people, whether it's uh, mitocarditis among young people, uh, the heart attack deaths have skyrocketed more than 13,000% uh, of those between the ages of 12 and 19 who've had the vax. Uh, people with autoimmune diseases have kicked in. Uh, Megan Kelly is is one of the the, the people, prominent people who have uh, who were, was in favor of the vax, and now she's discovered she's got a serious condition because of it. Uh, other individuals have uh, have other uh, conditions that have uh, kicked in, uh, even turbo cancer. Uh, so we're we're seeing some some real unfortunate things that have happened, but. The client at the time, their basis was not medical. It was based is just their sincerely held religious beliefs. Now, isn't the employer required to reasonably accommodate sincerely held religious beliefs? Because I think I think the the clients this client showed and satisfied the burden of that that he had sincere religious beliefs. So that now shifts to the employer, right, to reasonably accommodate. What went wrong? Yeah, so I, I have a feeling the employer is going to disagree. We've seen several cases, not in Ohio, but in the Pacific Northwest, where the employer says, hey, that's not actually a religious belief, believe it or not. That's an argument that they're making is that that's not a religious belief. But you make a great point. Um, Christians can come to different conclusions on how they feel about the vaccine, but this particular client believed that he was not supposed to get it. And so he even offered to he gave them options of religious accommodation. He said that in the event he had to meet in person, he, he guesstimated most of his work would be done remote. But if he had to meet in person, he was willing to mask, he was willing to test, and he was willing to social distance. So he gave them quite a bit of, of room for them to give him an accommodation without firing him. But they opted for the latter there. Really? I mean, so even... <laughs> So even after he says, hey, look, I'll, uh, I'll social distance I'll, or I'll distance myself, I'll uh, wear a mask, I'll, I'll do this, I'll have testing, that wasn't enough. They said, no, you, it's, it's either our way or the highway. 
So they gave no reasonable accommodation. They didn't show any budge at all. And the law, as I understand it, requires them to uh, make a good faith effort for a reasonable accommodation. And, uh, you know, do they even sit down and talk with him and say, hey, let's see if we can work this out? Because they're required to do that, aren't they? Uh, no, my understanding is he just essentially got a letter that said that um, we reviewed your request, it's denied, and comply in, I believe, 14 days or else you'll be terminated. That was essentially the letter that he received. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've known uh, some people who uh, like to challenge, you know, Christians who had convictions regarding the vaccine. I know one uh, gentleman who's a friend of mine, you know, he told me, he says, hey, uh, where in the Bible does it say you can't have a vaccine? You know, and I said, well, it's a very good point. I said, and if your definition of Christianity is that you sign a contract for salvation uh, by receiving Jesus and you just do everything that the Bible explicitly orders you to do or not to do, then I would agree with you that there's for it makes no sense for a Christian to have an objection. I said, if, however, you see your, your Christianity as a personal relationship with the Lord, and that you believe in the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit uh, on helping us live our lives on a daily basis in our, in our decisions moving forward in an interactive way for, for His glory, then that's a totally different ballgame. In that case, yeah, there's a lot of believers that have every bit of legitimacy because that's what they're doing. They're seeking God's direction and the, and the direction of the Holy Spirit, and you don't have to be a Pentecostal to have that understanding of that and have that kind of personal relationship with God, uh, irrespective of your brand of Christianity. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to see how that plays out. But Todd, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Uh, we greatly appreciate you being a part of our team. And uh, I look forward to next time we have you on the program. Did you know you can request free legal assistance on PJI's website? Just visit pji.org and click the Request Legal Assistance button. You'll be put in touch with one of our attorneys who can help you. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Welcome back. I'd now like to bring on to the show our attorney who heads up our office there in Hawaii, uh, attorney uh, Joe uh, Gomez. That, welcome to the program, Joe. Uh, nice to be back. How are you today? Oh, doing just great. Just great. Hey, um, I really appreciate the work that you're doing there out in, in uh, Hawaii. And, um, you know, if you ever need any help at any time, you just give me a call, buddy. Uh, I'll, I'll be out there. And um, anyway, but... <laughs> We'd love to have you, Brad. We're, we're looking forward to you, your trip out here. And uh, in truth, it'd be great to have you out here if we get you around to some of the churches and uh, some of the, I think, the supporters that are out here in waiting. Yeah. So well, you can... I, I would seriously, I would, I would enjoy going out there at the right timing and, and being able right. to uh, connect with the pastors and the churches. Uh, but in the meantime, you're doing an absolutely fantastic job uh, helping people there in, in uh, Hawaii. Um, I understand that. You know, since the um, the opening of the office last March, uh, you've been busy right from from day one, practically, right? Yeah, um, it's been great. Uh, we've got uh, uh, the word is getting out that we've got an office here. PGI has an office in Hawaii, and uh, we're getting more and more inquiries, and so that's good. You know, that's what we want to happen. We want people to know we're here to help, and if we can help them, we will. Now, how do folks contact you in Hawaii if they need assistance 
Well, you know, where do, where do they go? You know, probably the best way to contact uh, me here and us, PGI, is through the PGI website. I think it's just pji.org, and there's a Get Help tab, and just follow the form, and uh, they'll get you to the right person to, to help, uh, you know, if you have an inquiry, and if it's me, then it'll come to me, and uh, we'll take care of it. Yeah, and a lot of people, they contact us, and, and sometimes it's dealing with what we deal with, which is religious freedom, parents' rights, or the sanctity of human life, and we cover a lot of different subjects and case issues uh, under those three categories. Uh, but oftentimes, it doesn't apply to those, and the good news is on our website, we have a place where people can uh, seek out private attorneys who have uh, different expertise and different other areas of law, uh, that they can contact. And of course, our work is pro bono without charge. Other attorneys will have you know, different kinds of, area of charge, charges that they'll uh, have for, for their services. But uh, either way, it's a great place to go, our website, for people seeking legal assistance either way. Now, uh, in, in Hawaii right now, you're representing two members of the Honolulu Symphony. Uh, can you tell Hi. us about those cases? Sure, sure, Brad. Yeah, we have uh, two clients, uh, wonderful people, um, uh, Susan McGinn and John Gallagher. Susan is the principal flutist for the Honolulu Symphony, and John is uh, a bassist for the symphony. They're both uh, world-class musicians. They've been with the symphony for decades now. Uh, they're wonderful people, and they're people of faith. Okay, so they're, they're solid people. Uh, they're across the spectrum. We've got a Someone who plays the flute, someone else who plays the bass. <laughs> so, that's right. That's um, right. You know, uh, for those musicians out there, you got probably got the joke. You know, it's okay. Spectrum. All right. Anyway, um, there you go. So, um, but this is a, a very unfortunate, serious matter because they have been with the symphony for a long time. It's not like they're just starting out, and um, this is their career. I mean, that they've invested in, that they've uh, put their work that's into, and. And, and they have clear, sincerely have religious beliefs, but I understand it's been two years now since their termination occurred because of their sincerely held religious beliefs. What happened after they were That's, placed on indefinite unpaid leave? That's right. And let me, you know, just to kind of back up and explain a little bit, uh, you know, in 2021, right, there was all these COVID man chat mandates that came down. And normally, they generally happen in the fall of 2021. And the, and the Honolulu Symphony was one of those organizations that imposed these COVID shot mandates. Um, and at the time, uh, the employees, the musicians were invited to submit a request for accommodation if they felt they needed an accommodation from the shot requirement. Well, both John and Susan requested accommodations, and they requested accommodations based on their sincerely held religious beliefs as Catholics, uh, that they weren't able to take the COVID shot. And in the case of Susan, that uh, she also has a disability that uh, she requested an accommodation for. So okay. those, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, please. So they provided those uh, requests for accommodations, but unfortunately, um, the symphony uh, didn't really engage in what we would call, what's called the the interactive process for what would have been what we believe is a, a reasonable accommodation that could have been offered. And instead, they summarily placed them on uh, indefinite unpaid leave during the 2021-2022 uh, symphony season. Wow. Okay. So 
I mean, that's, uh, that's quite a hit for them. Uh, unpaid leave for that period of time. They've got bills to pay. You know, they've got car payments maybe, mortgages. Most people have mortgages they have to pay. If not that, they, you know, have rent. Uh, so this was, was very serious. Unpaid leave uh, for that much time. It sounds like we're not seeing a reasonable accommodation based on what you said. Their employers are obligated to reasonably accommodate people with sincerely held religious beliefs. Uh, I don't see that. So what happened next? Did the EOC conduct an investigation? Yeah, so uh, once once this happened, both Susan and John realized that the, it was likely that they had been discriminated against in their in their faith, and in the case of Susan also as a result of her disability. So they went ahead and they filed charges with the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And, and that case there was commenced. Um, they, uh, the, the process with EEOC can take some time um, to get to an end result, uh, if, if they get to an end result. Um, and so th that process began and it was with the EEOC for quite some time. But at a certain point we made a decision, you know, PGI got involved and uh, uh, we made a decision, the clients made a decision that they wanted to move forward with their claims in court. And in order to do that, we needed to request that the EEOC you know, essentially conclude their investigation and grant to us what's called a right to sue letter. And so that's what we did. And they granted us the right to sue letters for both John and Susan. Okay, so that's good. They got the right to sue letter. And uh, what, what happened next? Uh, what's the status of their lawsuits? Sure. So once we got the right to sue letters, we were able to prepare the lawsuits for both John and Susan. And we went ahead and filed lawsuits against the symphony uh, for, uh, for both John and Susan. And in the case of Susan, there's a second defendant, and that's the local musicians union or local 677. And so the status is uh, both cases uh, uh, have been filed and they're live and active as we speak. Now you said the union was brought in. They're a, they're a defendant. So they're not on their side. They're not on the side of these uh, two people who are wrongfully fired. Why is the union being sued? Well, we allege in the case of Susan that both the, the symphony and uh, the, the union are responsible for the injuries, the damages that Susan suffered as a result of this discrimination. Right. I mean, you know, Joe, I'll tell you, I am not surprised in a way because uh, what we've seen with a lot of these cases is the union is supposed to stand up and defend the rights, the Title VII rights. They're supposed to protect the workers from discrimination. Right. What I see when it comes to employees with sincere religious beliefs, you know, Christians, uh, you know, people with, with sincere, you know, traditional beliefs, um, they're not defended. I mean, this is, this is a pattern I see with the unions. That's one reason why I, I see them as being so contrary to that which is good uh, most of the time. Because I don't see them stepping up uh, like they're like they're being paid to by the employees, and I just want to remind people out there: if you're paying dues to your union, by law you don't have to. Uh, if, uh, if if they work for the government, uh, there's solid case law from the Supreme Court saying you don't have to pay a penny to your union at all, and to you know and you keep your job. Uh, and then also, with regards to the private sector, Title VII protects your right if you have sincere religious convictions against supporting. Uh, those unions, 
you don't have to have your money go to the union. You can have it go to a, a charity in agreement with your faith instead. So I just wanted to highlight that point that, about the union uh, because I'm not surprised uh, and yet it's, it's still, you know, they still need to be called out. And I'm glad they're uh, one of the defendants in this, in this lawsuit. I want people out there to understand that uh, when I'm talking to you about uh, these two cases in Hawaii, uh, we have other offices uh, across the country as well. In fact, uh, we have, last I checked, 36 offices in 29 states. That's the latest uh, ra- you know, uh, calculation that I've, I've received. Uh, the numbers are growing. And I just want to encourage people out there, if, if they need legal assistance, dealing with religious freedom, parents' rights, the sanctity of human life, they should definitely contact us. Go to our website, pji.org, pji.org. There they can also sign up to get our e-newsletter to keep up with our many cases. Joe, I understand that right now we have over 220 cases in active litigation all across the country. So if anyone is out there needing assistance, uh, they shouldn't hesitate probably to contact us because we have attorneys uh, already right. proven to, to, our, uh, to handle so many, uh, so many cases. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at PJI.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember... It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.